promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. Don't regret this, Lord. I'm a wonderful person. This is our boast. The testimony of our conscience is that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially toward you with godly sincerity and purity, not by human wisdom, but by God's grace. We are, we are writing nothing to you other than what you can read and also understand. I hope you will understand completely, just as you have partially understood us that we are your reason for pride, just as you also are ours in the day of our Lord Jesus. Because of this confidence, I plan to come to you first so that you could have a second benefit and to visit you on my way to Macedonia and then come to you again from Macedonia and be helped by you on my journey to Judea. Now when I planned this, was I of two minds? Or what I planned, do I plan in a purely human way so that I say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus, Timothy, and I, did not become yes and no. On the contrary, in him, it is always yes. For every one of God's promises is yes in him. Therefore, through him we also say amen to the glory of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And this is the place where I got that phrase earlier this week, yes, yes. The, the, the idea that, 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 that the amen is a yes, yes. It is a, a proclamation that something is going to be so. That, that, that we're asking God to make it so. Uh, sort of in a Jean-Luc Picard, Star Trek Next Generation way. Make it so. Um, but this is a beautiful passage here because first he, he begins by, by telling the people of Corinth, which uh, Corinth uh, was a very wealthy city. <laughs> it was almost the New Orleans <laughs> of, of uh, cities then because it was known for a lot of its debauchery, uh, but also for a lot of its wealth uh, and, and trade and, and all of those things. And so a lot of people were there. Uh, he founded uh, this church in Corinth, so he loved the people there. It's part of the reason why we have two letters. There's actually probably multiple letters that he wrote to him. We know that there's one that he wrote between 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Um, and 2nd Corinthians is one in which he's actually rather heartbroken uh, because something has happened between him and his people, between him and the people in Corinth. But here he begins by saying, to them after after talking about the comfort that comes to us in Jesus Christ even in our sufferings he begins by saying that that he is bringing them not some sort of human wisdom not wanting to sound awesome just like he writes in 1 Corinthians but he's wanting to bring them a word in which they understand which they know a, a word that does something to them and transforms them and and part of the struggles were that a group of people had come into the church in Corinth called the, the, 
the super apostles. These were ones who thought very much of themselves and more often than not would talk about things that were completely absurd or insane. Uh, I, I think as we would put it, they would, they would definitely talk about some things that you could not understand. I'm sure many of you have probably had conversations with people in which uh, they'll be, you know, someone will be teaching something and you're sitting there going, I do not know what in the world they're talking about right now. Using a lot of mumbo jumbo and phraseology that means nothing. Here, he's trying to lay it out for them that he's bringing them a particular word that they might know who they are, that who, who they are in Christ, whose they are. But that also, um, he, he writes as part of this letter, uh, this declaration to them as their pastor, as their founder, as their brother, that he wants to make sure that they understand that they are part of him and he is part of them. That he later on in this, in this letter, in chapter 3, he basically says, I don't need a letter of recommendation from anybody. If anybody wants to know me and what my ministry is like, they need to look at you. And so here he's, he's trying to make sure that they understand that, but then also wanting to make sure that they understand something else, that he desires to come and see them, that he is not going to leave them alone, that he has not forgotten about them, that he's going to come and see them. And so he talks about how he's planning on doing this. And he makes the statement, I am not double-minded on this. I'm not going in two different directions saying yes, yes, and no, no. But in fact, because I've committed this decision to Christ, it's always yes. It was completed with a prayer saying amen, and so it is going to be so, we pray. And so that's where we get this beautiful phrase, that this beautiful collection of verses that he has. As God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, did not become yes and no, meaning that he's he's not that double-minded. It's, it's, it's not that you can go to the left and you can go to the right. There's really just one direction with Christ. And he says, for every one of God's promises is yes in Jesus. That the promises of God, that the promises that he has made down through the history, that, that he made to Eve saying that her, the, the, the seed of the woman is going to crush the serpent's head, the, the promise that was made to Abraham that your seed will be a blessing to the nations, that you will be a, a, a father of many nations, which means a father of faith, uh, the, the promise made to David, right? to David that, that he would have a son to sit on his throne forever and Christ is that son of David and son of God that he makes these continual promises later on he makes the promises of resurrection for us both in the Psalms as well as some of the, of the later prophets make it known to us that that is going to come and these promises are always yes, because God makes a promise. He says, I'm going to do something, and he's not going to renege on it. He's not saying yes, uh, well, and maybe no. He, he's saying that these promises that I'm making to you in Jesus and what I'm going to do in my son on that cross are going to come true for you. And this is where we get that phrase, therefore through him we also say amen to the glory of God. So that when we make the statement, Amen, at the end of our prayers, especially praying the Lord's Prayer, because that's what's been given to us, but we're praying that these 
prayers that we make are in the in accordance with God's will, in accordance with God's name, in accordance with God's promises. And so often with our prayers, when we do complete them, so many times our prayers are our vending machine prayers that when we don't get something, we think it's a problem with God when maybe it's a problem with our praying and with our faith and that we need to ask God instead to increase our faith that we might trust that his promise is always yes. So that when we say the amen, when we complete our prayers, we are committing that to the promises of God, that God will fulfill it either in our life or in the life to come, that it might happen. And so that is our prayer here this morning, that that might be the case, that God's promises will always be yes in Christ for us, and that our prayers, our life in Christ, might be attached to the fact that we want those promises to always be yes. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the amen we speak cause us to be certain that our petitions are acceptable to and heard by you. For you yourself commanded us to pray like this and have promised to hear us. We pray these words saying, yes, yes. May these all be so. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, church, go in peace. Serve the Lord. We'll see you tomorrow.